A few weeks ago, Jay-Z released his 14th studio album, 444. Critics have lauded this album as being one of his greatest. It's up there with the Blueprint or the Black Album. This latest release quickly shot to number one, making Jay-Z the solo artist with the most number one albums on the chart. Some of us might say that Jay-Z is sitting on top of the world right now. But things haven't always gone so well for him. In 2014, footage was released of Jay-Z and his sister-in-law, Solange, embroiled in the notorious elevator incident. Weeks later, Jay-Z and Beyonce embarked on the On The Run tour. While the two of them had performed together many times, this was the first time that they were co-headlining a tour. And while this tour had been planned before this elevator incident, it seemed that this was a PR move for them to renew and restore their image. While the two of them performed on stage, modeling this image of a happy couple, rumors swirled that behind the scenes, things weren't so happy. It was easy for us to believe stories that claimed that these artists were on the run from negative publicity. We can imagine that that's true for them because we know that that has too been true for us. At some point in our lives, most of us have found ourselves on the run. We've been on the run from mistakes of our past. We've been on the run from broken relationships. We've been on the run from family secrets. We've been on the run from things that we won't hope nobody ever knows. We're afraid that if we stop running for just a moment, that the mistakes of our past will catch up to us and possibly destroy us. That's where we encounter Jacob in today's text from Genesis. Jacob is a man on the run. After manipulating his brother Esau out of his birthright and stealing Esau's blessing, Esau decided that he would kill his brother Jacob. When their mother, Rebekah, got word of Esau's plan, she told Jacob to leave and to go to her brother's family. Jacob is on this journey, but as night begins to fall, he realizes that he has to stop. I can see Jacob sitting on the ground, beads of sweat running down his forehead, and he's trying to decide if he should keep going. He doesn't know if Esau is coming behind him and if his life is safe, but his legs are tired. His back aches from the pack that he's been carrying, and he can't see which way to go. He can't keep moving, at least not now. Like Jacob, at some point, all of us have to stop running. Our backs ache from the baggage we carry. Our legs are tired from the distance we've gone. The darkness around us envelops us, and our eyes can't see our way out. But we're afraid to stop. We don't know what's behind us, and we don't know what's ahead. But it's in that moment when we stop running that God can get our attention. In our story, Jacob had fallen asleep, and it was while he was asleep that he would finally have an encounter with God. My guess is that Jacob had heard about God from his father. Like many parents, Isaac had tried to instill his faith into his children, He had told them about the things that God had done for him in the past. Maybe like many children, Jacob decided that he wasn't interested in his father's faith. He didn't know what this God could do for him. 
His life was fine by all of the manipulation that he had done. He had found a way to get the things he wanted. But perhaps Jacob's feeling, his, his ignorance about God is why God comes so close to him. In Genesis, it says that God stood beside Jacob. And God said, I am the Lord, the God of your father and the God of Isaac. And after Jacob and God are acquainted, Jacob receives a promise from God. Jacob, the trickster, the one who was born holding on to his brother's foot, is receiving a promise from God. Now, I know that doesn't make us feel good. We like to think that God gives good things to good people, that life is fair, that you get back what you put out. But God gives this promise to a trickster. And he promises two things that are so important in this time. He gives him land and children. God says that the land that you are lying on will be for you and for your descendants. And you have so many descendants that not only will they be here, but they will spread to all parts of the world. And through your family, all families would be blessed. This was a weighty gift. Why would God do this? Jacob didn't even know him. But I've heard it said before that it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Jacob may not have known God, but God knew Jacob. Jacob may not have recognized God's power, but God recognized Jacob's potential. Again, we find it difficult to think, why does God choose who he chooses? But God doesn't judge us on who we are now. God looks at who we will become. And I'm so glad that God doesn't stop at who we are right now, because some of us in here wouldn't have a chance. God doesn't exclude me when I'm cursing out my husband. God doesn't exclude me when I'm pushing a neighbor on the street to get out of my way. God doesn't exclude you when you're doing those things that you think nobody is watching. The truth is, God can't only use good people because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God chooses Jacob, and he gives them this promise. But not only does he give them this promise for children and for land, God gives him a very personal promise. Because what good would land be if you're not allowed to use it? God says, I will be with you. I am with you now, and I will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Think about that. God doesn't say, if you go the right place, if you go where I want you to go, I'll be with you. God says, wherever you go. The psalmist said it this way, where can I go from God's presence? Where can I flee from God's spirit? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I descend into the depths of hell, you are there. God isn't like that friend who puts you down when the going gets rough. Wherever you are, God is with you. When we're in church today, God is here. When you're at home later, God is there. If you're at the hotel, motel, holiday inn, God is there too. God is with us and God is guiding us and God wants to use us. But like Jacob, we must recognize that God's presence is there. Sometimes God gives us a promise, but we don't realize that it's God who's at work. But when Jacob awakens, he says, surely God is in this place and I did not know it. Jacob arrived at Luz at a moment that seemed coincidental. 
Everything about that moment in the beginning seemed ordinary. The ground was ordinary. The rock he slept on was ordinary. The spot where he lay precisely was ordinary. But the Bible calls this a certain place. And this certain place was just where God needed Jacob to be. At times, God will have us exactly where we need to be, but we don't sense God's presence. We expect that God will work through grandeur. When something is ordinary, we're afraid that it's not for us. Our current job is insignificant. Our name is not in lights, and so it's not important. We would try to find something that's better suited for our gifts and our personalities. But God often does extraordinary work through ordinary means. One small moment leads to another small moment, which leads to another small moment. Years ago, when I was graduating from college, I didn't want to get a job. So my other alternative was going back to school. I had decided that I would move to the D.C., Maryland area. So I applied to a school there, and I was accepted. My mom, who was ready for me to get out of her house, drove me up there so we could find me an apartment. I found a roommate, and I started looking for a job. I was bound and determined to leave South Carolina and move north. But after a while, things in Maryland didn't work out. My roommate bailed on me. I couldn't get the financial aid I needed to pay my tuition. And one day, I received a letter in the mail from Clemson University. It was a school in a rural part of South Carolina. The letter said on the inside from the dean of the graduate school, if you're interested, we have a place for you here. I wasn't interested. The letter said, call me. I wasn't going to call it. My mom said, call it. I had to get out of her house. And so I did. God opened so many doors. If you know me, you know that that's where I ended up, Clemson University, a small rural town unlike where I had intended to go. But I met people there who would be with me on the journey for the rest of my life. It was in that place, that quiet little town, where I was able to hear the voice of God calling me to this work. And one door after another opened, one small step after another, and eventually I was able to leave that small town. And that journey has brought me to this place I am today. Do I believe that God would have been with me if I had gone to Maryland? Yes. God will never leave us. God isn't going to force us to do something that we don't want to do. We have a choice in the matter. But my life would probably have been a lot more difficult if I had forced my way. I didn't fully understand why those things were happening now, but I can look back on my life and say about Clemson how awesome is that place. Jacob recognized that God was in the place where he was. And after receiving that promise and feeling God's presence, he responded with a purpose. Jacob could have awakened from his dream and said, well, all right, God, I'm out. But instead, he took the rock that he had used as a pillow and he built a pillar to God. He poured oil over it and he created a place where he could worship. And not only would Jacob worship in that place, but his descendants would worship in that place from years to come. And with this renewed purpose, Jacob makes a vow to God. God, if you'll be with me, you give me what I need, the clothes I need, the food I need, if you allow me to go back to my father's house, then you will be my God. Now I pause here and say some of us may have our antennas go up and say that was his vow. 
That's all about what God will do for him. But if we're honest, we do the same things. God, if you give me a better job, then I'll give more money at church. God, if you allow me to have more free time, I promise that I'll volunteer more. God, if you bless me with more children, I promise I'll give those children to you. We might mean those vows when we say them, but sometimes we make promises to God that we can't keep. Fortunately for us, God's promises to us aren't dependent on what we promise to God. God is a promise keeper, even when we fall short. And God knows us through and through. God understands who we are and where we are and what we can give in the moment. And God is patient with us. We heard the parable of the wheat and the weeds. I would often wonder, why is it that the landowner would leave them all there? Was it that the weeds would appear like wheat and all of that would be confused? But after further consideration, I realized it's that the wheat might look like weeds. If God plucked us up too soon, we wouldn't look like all we could become. We might easily be discarded if we aren't given time to mature and to flourish. And that's what God does for Jacob. In chapter 28, Jacob is still a trickster. Jacob is still trying to get what he can from God. But over the course of Jacob's life, we see Jacob being transformed. And by the time we get to chapter 35 in Genesis, Jacob is a new man. He so knew that God changes his name to reflect the change that has happened in him. God waited on Jacob and God waits on us. Sometimes we're following our own way and we take a detour. For Jacob, his detour was being away from his family for almost 20 years. But he got where he needed to be. I think about a time last summer when my husband and I were in North Carolina. We were on our way to the beach to visit some friends. And I was following my GPS. Honey, turn here. It says turn there. It says go this way. And we found ourselves on a dead end road in the middle of the woods. I said, but babe, this is what my GPS said. He said, well, maybe your GPS is wrong. Sometimes, friends, we're that same way. We have our GPS, go this way, turn that way, do it this way, go left, turn around. But sometimes our GPS is wrong. We have to lean on God's GPS. God sits high and looks low and can see the roadblocks ahead even when we can't see them. But God doesn't give up on us and will get us to the place that God has called us to be. So trust God. Trust that God will never leave you. Trust that those things that God has promised to you will come to fruition. And trust to go God's way. Sometimes that very thing that we're running from is a thing that we need to go toward. Jacob was running from his family, but eventually he went back. And when he went to his family, that is where his renewal and healing came. Don't be on the run. Give God your journey. God will transform it so that you aren't looking back, that you aren't running from, but that you are moving toward, that you are moving toward the place that God has called you to go, and that you are becoming the person that God has called you to be.